Oh, I forgot to tell you, um, I think it was right before we uh, recorded Action Park, you know, way back at episode 10. Yeah. I told, I told my grandmother about the podcast, and prior to you and I starting it, I had been telling her every time I went up, like, that I was working on a podcast, and I had all these ideas and stuff, and she was she was always encouraging of it um and then like finally we got it started so like i started telling her about it how like we had changed some of my ideas and like i incorporated you so like now it was a different thing and she was interested so like i had to tell her like what we consume means and like what i mean when i'm we're talking about like what we put into our minds and bodies and everything and she kind of understood it, but like I gave her examples with a couple episodes, you know, like I, I named like the roller coasters and and the dangerous toys and everything, and then I mentioned Action Park and like told her that Action Park was in New Jersey, and that flipped a switch in her, and she went off on New Jersey. <laughs> Apparently, like in the fifties, when uh, when my grandpa was in the Navy, they moved from different postings, basically all over the world, like my. My mom and her two siblings were all born in different areas of the country just because they moved around so much. But at one point in the 50s, uh, they were stationed in New Jersey for just a summer. And they sublet an apartment from some fireman who decided to go be a beach bum for that summer. <laughs> and, okay. And she, was, and she was like, oh, it was terrible. Vermilion kitchen, chartreuse bathroom. Ah! <laughs> <You know? laughs> and... And they lived near this, like, little bodega, because, uh, you know, it was a packed city, so there wasn't, like, a huge grocery store. And she was pregnant at the time, I think, with my aunt. She didn't know anyone in the area, and, and so, like, she had to, you know, meet all these new people again. And uh, she goes to the bodega for groceries. She uh, sees they have, like, white eggs, and then next to them, for a lesser price, brown eggs. So she was like, oh, score, you know, brown eggs are cheaper, I'll just buy those. And so she tried to, and this guy uh, behind the counter had this, like, thick Jersey accent, and she could barely understand, but he was like, oh, you don't want those eggs? Like, the the brown eggs are, you know why they're brown, right? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, it's because they feed them fish. And she was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, they, uh, they, they, feed, they feed those chickens fish, so, like, the eggs turn brown, and then, like, the eggs taste like fish. She was like, no, it's because it's because they're from a different chicken and like he kept insisting and she kept on not giving a shit and was just like just sell me the eggs so finally he sells her the eggs and uh she went home and used them for cooking and you know what they tasted like regular eggs because yeah Yeah. she was right (laughs) that's not a thing yeah Yeah, like i think like fresh like laid chicken eggs turn more brown as well like uh instead of I, I it, it it literally just depends on the type of chicken, but like she knew that, so she didn't. <laughs> she wasn't about to be dissuaded into paying more for white eggs. But ever since then, my grandma's had a deep seated distaste for New Jersey, and um, and they kept being deployed all over the world for several decades. And then um, finally, my grandpa was going to be deployed to New Jersey again. And my grandma was like, no, I'm not going back to New Jersey. Maybe you are, but I'm not. So my grandpa was just like, fuck, I guess I'll just retire. <laughs> like, <laughs> she hated so, New Jersey so much that he made it, your grandfather retire. Yeah, I mean, like, he he wouldn't have stayed much longer anyway, but, like, 
she hated New Jersey so much, she was like, look, either you're going or neither of us is going, because I am not going. He was just like, alright, fine. <laughs> what we consume. Ahoy, ahoy, and welcome to What We Consume, a show about all the things we put into our minds and bodies. I'm your host, King Hagathor, and with me as always is... Hey, it's me, Kevin. Just listened to a grandmother story, and I watched a documentary all in one morning. One was way more educational than the other, and I really want to explain that that it was the grandmother story and not the documentary. Yeah, we'll kind of get into that. Before we get started, dude... Like, should we talk about, like, current events? Like, the queen dying? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, probably not, but it's just like, man, people will not stop talking about it. I don't think it pertains to, like, our episode or what what we're doing. I think if we wanted to talk about it, we would have to do, like, a full episode on, like, the royal family and how we consume, uh, like, their stuff. Yeah, it is interesting how focused certain Americans are on, like, the royal family. I guess because we don't have one for multiple reasons. But, yeah, there's, like, that celebrity culture around the royal family that I find bizarre. But you're right, we should, uh... I like the royal should, family. Uh, I'm one of those. Huh? I like them. If, if we want to have royals in America, I volunteer. Man... <laughs> I think that's just, there's such a, like, great divide in the people that, like, completely hate the royal family, and then there's, like, people who like them and, like, want to understand more and stuff, and then there's, you know, the the kings in the world that think they're terrible and everything. Oh, you were talking about me as one of the kings (laughs) of the world. (laughs) Um, Well... I mean, it's it's funny because, like, it's it's a weird Venn diagram of the people who are, like, super into, like, the Constitution, our founding fathers, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they fought a war to separate themselves from the monarchy. And now, like, their descendants are like, oh, the old lady died. We would have to get into this, but... You're right, we don't have time. Yeah, there's psychological things. And it's just, like, you know, it's one of the last royal things from like the past and stuff and they did do some good in some places and they don't like they are like held to what what she can really do at those times and stuff i I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things but both sides not yeah we're let's not get into it because we'll make the whole episode that yeah, but interestingly, we are going to uh, get into one of the Founding Fathers a little bit on this episode, so it's kind of relevant. Anyways, Kevin, we're nearing the end of September, the nights are lengthening, the last gasps of summer are desperately trying to keep the heat, and the trees are shedding their greens for autumn colors and bare branches. Halloween is less than a month and a half away, and you know what that means. It's time to get spooky. Yeah, happiness. It means happiness. Summer, it's depressing. Fall, Christmas, spookiness, that's when happiness comes around. I love spring days and summer nights, but, like, summer is just so oppressively hot, and I just, I'm much more angled towards cold weather. 
But I wonder if that uh, says something about us psychologically. Because don't like people get a lot more happy during summer because it's like longer days because you see well, more they, sunlight. Yeah, and like the vitamin D can be beneficial to like health and serotonin. But uh, just take your gummies during the winter. Yeah, they taste good. But you and I are more inclined to sit inside and play video games. So whoa, I go out a lot. Yeah. I go outside and play. I'm an adult. Uh, I I mostly just go outside to walk my dog. So, you know, spooky season. We kind of started this off last week with non-water floods. Like, the idea of drowning in molasses or being chased by a river of flaming liquor is pretty horrifying. But I wanted to get more into traditional scares, like the things that go bump in the night. So this week we're focusing on a cryptid, one steeped in folklore, legend, and American history. So we're sticking in New England because we're going to talk about the Jersey Devil. New England? Yeah. Why New England? Wasn't the Jersey Devil from New Jersey? That's part of New England. What do you mean? What do you mean? Isn't New England and New Jersey two different states? New England is not a state. (laughs) I'm confused. So, uh, (laughs) is New England in New Jersey? New England is the entire area. It covers New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. It's basically the 13 colonies, although it really doesn't count the Carolinas. But, like, anywhere from, like, Maine to Virginia is New England. You are going to get roasted in the group (laughs) chat for that. Oh, well, I might cut it. (laughs) (laughs) You better not. (laughs) The Jersey Devil. Wait a minute. Hold uh, on. I gotta Google this. There's no new... No, there's no state called New England. Dang, you're right. Okay. Holy shit. Next you're gonna tell me Benjamin Franklin was one of our presidents. Oh, I know that. Oh, now I'm gonna... I, I know he wasn't, but you got me... Oh, God. you got, I'm, I'm flustered now. This is, this is gonna turn into something. This episode might be wild for me. Man, no child left behind just completely ignored you. <laughs> no, 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 no. The history, like, geo- I'm, I'm fine with geography. I don't know why I thought that was a state. Maybe it's because it's associated with a football team, and most football teams are associated with states. So I was just like, oh, that's something. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. We're going to start off with the Leeds legend. In 1735, a woman known only as Mother Leeds became pregnant. Having already birthed twelve other children and not yet ready to endure the woes of pregnancy once more, she cried out in a moment of weakness, Let this child be a devil. Sometimes later, during, amidst the clatter of a terrible storm, with howling rain, fierce thunder, and the wails of labor, Mother Leeds birthed her thirteenth child. I don't know about you guys, but that uh, voice that King just spoke in and just the information he just said gave me a little bit of chills. I I hope it gave you guys chills. I I was down with it. The midwives swaddled the newborn baby, who was healthy, blonde, and blue eyed, and a boy. And for a moment, all seemed well in the world. But that soon changed. As the storm reached its crescendo, the babe's blue eyes darkened from baby blue to blood red. It leapt from its mother's embrace, growing to a new, from a newborn to a, the height of a full-grown man. Its face extended forth into the muzzle of an equine beast, 
Thick, curled horns sprouted from its skull, and its legs grew coarse hair. The feet curled into cloven hooves. A forked tail snaked out of the edge of its spine, lashing and cracking like an enraged whip. Large, leathery, bat-like wings unfurled from its shoulders, casting long shadows across the candlelit room. Its fingertips grew into daggers-like claws. Its glowing red eyes darted between the terror-stricken faces of the midwives, then set upon its mother. With saliva dripping from its long snout, its maw opened to reveal sharp, predatory fangs. It let out a piercing, inhuman shriek. <laughs> then it attacked. First, Mother leads herself, tearing out the throat that had cursed it into existence. Then it set upon the midwives, silencing their screams for bringing it into the world. Mr. Leeds and his other twelve children huddled in terror in the next room, praying for a salvation that would never come. The locked door proved no match for the devil in their homes. Tearing the wood from its frame, the beast dove among its family, slaughtering them with claw and fang. Mr. Leeds, wounded on the floor, watched as his thirteenth child ended his entire bloodline. With its bloodlust sated but not its rage, the beast slithered up the chimney and burst into the stormy sky in a cloud of soot and blood. Thunder crashed and lightning revealed its dark silhouette as it disappeared into the Pine Barrens where it would haunt the land forevermore, known as the Jersey Devil. That was that's just one of That's just one of many origins of the Jersey Devil, if aka it, the Leeds Devil, the Jabberwock, uh, like the Lewis Carroll poem, l- the Wazzlebug. If the Jersey Devil killed all the people in the house right there, who who's recount of that? It recount like who told that story? Yeah, that's what makes it a legend. Ah, it's it's kind of like that part in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Black Pearl, where it's like legends say they leave no one alive, and Jack Sparrow's like, oh, then who's telling the stories? Exactly. That's just one of many origins of the Jersey Devil. Like I kind of uh, painted it up myself by writing that. But that's the bullet points is essentially she, Mother Leeds, cursed her child. It came out, became a demon, killed all the family, and flew off into the night. It was There's told, other versions. There's told, other versions. Oh, man. It was told way better than uh, the documentary you made me watch. Yeah, yeah, that episode of Monster Quest is a pile of shit, but uh, I made you watch it anyways, because I wanted you to feel the pain I did. There's other versions where, like, it grows and becomes the beast, and then, like, instead of, like, slaughtering everyone, it just goes around, like, slapping everyone. It's just like, ah! Takes, um, it takes a poop in the corner. Yeah. It uh, turns into there's... a Native American, and then they all uh, tell bad stories about it and make him migrate thousands of miles away from their home. Wait, that's yeah, real life. There's also versions where, like, they had the child, it came out deformed, and then, like, they raised it for a couple of years, and then either it killed the family or it just, like, went off, like, when they send off Henry and Henry and the Hendersons. Or, sorry, Harry and the Hendersons. There's, like, 30 different versions of the Leeds Devil legend. So it sounds like to me that they had a little Down Syndrome baby, and they didn't like it, so they made up a story so they could kill it and didn't have to have that baby anymore. So when when everybody asked, hey, what happened to your baby? Yeah, we know you were pregnant. They were like, it tried to kill us. So we killed it. Actually, uh, there is a version that might be true. 
but we'll get to that in a bit. So there's also the Jersey Devil goes by many names. The Jersey Devil, the Leeds Devil, the Jabberwock, like the Lewis Carroll poem, uh, the Wazzlebug, or the Hoodle Doodle Bird. Why that so, one? I don't fucking know. I think those came out of the 1909 sighting and just like that seemed appropriate at the time. What does Jabberwocky mean? The Jabberwock is uh, from a Lewis Carroll poem. Uh, it's used in um, the sequel to Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass. It's a terrifying beast that gets killed by a uh, hero with a sword. I can't remember his name. Chris Hemsworth? <clears throat> no, sure. that's Snow White and the Huntsman. Sure. But anyways... Yeah, the Jersey Devil's a little hard to pin down. It has multiple origin stories, numerous descriptions, and very little physical evidence. It's very elusive and at the same time deeply ingrained in the mind of those who live even remotely close to the region. If you were to go to New Jersey, not everyone would have a Jersey Devil story, but almost everyone knows someone who knows someone who did, like their aunt's hairdresser, their uh, cousin's father, you know, like... Everyone knows someone who knows someone who saw the Jersey Devil, basically. And I don't just mean today, but also even further back, like, before our nation's founding. Is the New Jersey Devil hockey team based off of the, the this, or is it there? Yes. Or, oh my gosh. It really is ingrained in New Jersey, isn't it? Yeah, and in the 1930s, they uh, made the Jersey Devil the... Uh, state's official demon and it's the only state that has an official demon <laughs> i was like is that a thing <laughs> it is for jersey <laughs> so what is the jersey devil in the most simplistic terms the jersey devil is a cryptid a cryptid is a creature that is unknown legendary or extinct whose present existence is disputed or unsubstantiated so this divides into multiple camps. Like there are the credible cryptids that end up being real, like sea serpents, mountain gorillas, and giant squid. Like things we thought didn't or couldn't exist, and then we ended up finding them. So therefore they do. And then there's the creatures that did exist at one point. Like we know they existed, but we they probably don't exist today. Like uh, the thylacine, which is the Tasmanian tiger. Or the Megalodon. Like, so these things did for sure exist, but they probably are extinct. So, you know. And then and then there's the far-out, well-known cryptids like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. And like Chupacabras. So cryptids range from the very believable to the extraordinary. The Jersey Devil is in the third category, if not its own fourth subcategory, because it's a chimera. And a chimera, based on the Greek legend, is basically, like, an animal that's just sewn together from multiple other animals. So, like, in this case of the Jersey Devil, it's got, like, the head of a horse or a goat. It's got a real thin body like a deer or possibly, like, a lizard. It's got bat-like wings, little T-Rex claw arms, a forked tail like a dragon or a demon, and then long legs ending in cloven hooves like... Not a centaur, but a... Minotaur? Yeah, a minotaur or whatever Tumnus was. It'll come to me. Anyways, so, like, minotaur. this mishmashing together of animals to create a new animal is typically 
like, so absurd, no one thinks it exists. But at the same time, before it was widely known, both kangaroos and uh, platypuses were just thought of, like, as chimera-type cryptids. You know, like, a platypus has a duck bill, a beaver tail, it's got spines, for some reason. And then, like, kangaroos, it's like, oh, it's like a deer that hops on two legs, but it's got a thick-ass tail, and it'll kick the shit out of you. Yeah, aren't there people that still don't believe that platypuses and um, narwhals are, like, things? Like, people think narwhals are mythical creatures, even though they're real? I'm sure there are. I mean, like, there's people who think that the Earth is flat, so... Whoa, King. But anyways, the Jersey Devil is typically described as being between four and eight feet tall, and, uh often said to scream like a dying woman with glowing red, white, yellow eyes. So before we go any further, I'm just going to say I'm a very skeptical person, especially when it comes to things that are supernatural, extraterrestrial, or cryptids, but I find them fascinating, and it's no fun to simply rule everything out as fake immediately. So I don't intend to debunk the Jersey Devil entirely, but it's also no fun to just accept every story as simply the Jersey Devil either. So we're going to be going over some possibilities of what it could be uh, in certain sightings and stories and discussing whether it's the Jersey Devil or if it could possibly just be things like misidentification or mass hysteria. You know, I'm totally different. They're all wackadoos and this is not real. Yeah, well, uh, there's certainly... You're certainly not alone on that either. This is probably the most famous picture of the Jersey Devil. It's from the 1909 incident, which we'll be covering later. That looks like uh, a, if this is the this looks like a very friendly creature. This doesn't look mean and scary. Yeah, he looks like a very soft boy. Like he he doesn't look threatening in the least, but he also looks far too far too flimsy to even like stand up like straight. And then I also sent you uh, another link for a different artist interpretation, which is a lot more imposing. Oh, yeah, that one's way more scary. Yeah, so in this, like, in that first one I sent you, it's got, like, stork-like legs, a big-ass, like, horse head, a very thin body, and very short, stubby, like, T-Rex arms. And it looks like it would just, like topple over yeah the second one it's got much more fleshed out limbs a lot fiercer of a gaze and it looks like if this thing existed it would be incredibly dangerous it looks like a uh, hairy gargoyle to me yeah yeah um something like that or like very werewolf-esque except with bat wings there's a lot of different ways it's depicted in the 1909 version, it seems like it would have to be supernatural in order for it to, like, move around at all. But these, there's a lot of different variations on this cryptid about what it looks like and where it came from. So, so I have to get this thought out because I've been thinking about it since I'm talking about the hockey thing. They should have sure. made, I, I can't, I, they should, do you know the Mighty Ducks animated cartoon? Oh, yeah. They should have made it to where they fought and uh, the, like, Jersey Devil animated people. I, I don't know. I wonder if that's a thing. I don't think it is in it, but that, that would be that would be an episode. 
I don't, I don't know if that's a thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is because the Jersey Devil pops up in a lot of media. Like, uh, obviously, it pops up in um, I want to say episode five of the uh, X Files, but it also pops up in numerous cartoons and video games. Yeah, it's it's pretty popular. See, this is how people can get conditioned to believe something. So let's start with the origin of the Jersey Devil. Like, at least what is probably the actual origin. Didn't Um, you just tell us that? It was birthed by a mother and killed the whole family and went up the chimney like a reverse Santa Claus? So that's the legend. I want to talk about where this idea, like this concept came from. Assuming that the legend isn't the accurate portrayal. Oh, okay. So we're going to start with New Jersey itself. New Jersey, the Garden State, was first settled by Native Americans thousands of years ago. By the time of first contact with European settlers, the Leni Lenape Nation was the most prominent Native American nation in the region. They hunted and farmed in the areas surrounding the Delaware River, the lower Hudson River, and the western Long Island Sound. Uh, so they were they were pretty substantial. They first encountered the Dutch in the early 17th century, and most of this early contact was through fur trade. The Dutch were the first Europeans to claim the land in New Jersey, but to cut a long and ugly history of colonialism short... The entire region was taken over by the English on June 24th, 1664, when Colonel Richard Nichols sailed into present-day New York Harbor and captured Fort Amsterdam. So New Jersey became a pretty interesting place for Europeans. Unlike most colonies like Plymouth or Jamestown, New Jersey was mostly inhabited by second-generation immigrants who came from those other colonies rather than directly from Europe. This also meant there was a lot of different religious and ethnic groups blending together there, like Scots Presbyterians, Dutch Reformists, English Quakers, and Anglicans, which I believe are Episcopalians. Like, I think we would call them Episcopalians, but... uh, What's a Dutch Reformist? Um, They... They're... uh, I forgot to look it up, but they, they wanted to reform the church, whereas... People like the Puritans were more fanatical and they wanted to completely revolutionize the church, like completely separate from both uh, Catholicism and English. Oh my God, I can't. What's the word? Um, Protestants. There we go. So they they didn't want to be Protestants or Catholics. They wanted to be a secret third thing. But that meant that they would be like seen as heretics in Europe. So they went off to this new world and we're like, all right, we're just going to go, go start our own religion without blackjack or hookers. Like Mormons and, uh, Jehovah's witnesses and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in, in some ways, yes, they came over to start their own thing. And so did a lot of other people, like just a whole lot of different groups that were like, you're not worshiping God, right? So we're going to do it better. You know, At one point, the Quakers made a deal for nearly half of the present-day state of New Jersey. Like, they basically just divided it diagonally into East and West uh, Jersey for about 28 years. Is that when oatmeal got invented? 
Uh, I think that came a little bit later. Oh. <laughs> Come on, King. So, I'm uh, trying hard. Yeah. Then they were reunited in 1702 under a royal governor, Edward Hyde, Lord Cornbury. He was an ineffective and corrupt ruler, as well as allegedly being a crossdresser. The New York Historical Society has a portrait that is possibly him dressed in women's clothing, specifically dressed as his aunt, Queen Anne. But there's no information on the painter, and it's all rather dubious, so... uh, Let's see here. Weren't like half of political men back then cross-dressers though? Like when they went and did judgy things, they wore the wigs and basically dresses and shit? This goes beyond that. That was high fashion. This was... Uh, God damn it, none of these are High fashion, eh? Yeah. um, Oh, that's him? Allegedly, that's Lord Cornbury dressed as his aunt, Queen Anne. But... There's no information on the painter. This was painted sometime in the 1800s, and what or if it's like just Queen Anne, maybe, uh, or it could be a lot of things, but we don't know for sure. But anyways, like whether or not the cross dressing is true, the ineffectiveness and blatant corruption led to him being recalled to England in 1708. He was so openly corrupt that like nobody liked him. Which is where we get his small connection to the Jersey Devil. When he took office in 1702, one of his counselors was a Quaker named Daniel Leeds. Daniel Leeds was born in England, well, I mean, where else but Leeds, England, in 1651. He arrived in Burlington, New Jersey in 1677. His first wife died in England, so when he got to the colony, he married Anne Stacy in 1681. She and their she and their daughter died during childbirth, so he married again to Dorothy Young, and they would have at least eight children together before she would also die in 1699. So his fourth and final wife was Jane Abbott Smout. I don't know if they had any more children. This guy was just steamrolling through wives. Well, it seemed like he would just get tired of them and kill them, and well, use I mean, childbirth as a uh, as an excuse. I mean, childbirth was just so incredibly dangerous for women at the time. It's not surprising that, I mean, a guy's not going to die from childbirth, but, like, women had a very high likelihood. So, okay, I guess I'll get another one. It's like he's uh, just running through cars, you know? Hey, you gotta you gotta upgrade the model every once in a while, right? They, got, they have new functions, Bluetooth and stuff. <laughs> So anyways, in the 1690s, he surveyed and acquired a decent amount of land in the Great Egg Harbor on the Atlantic coast. His sons would eventually inherit this property, which would become known as Leeds Point, the place most associated with the Jersey Devil. In 1687, Daniel Leeds would begin publishing an almanac. Unlike other almanacs at the time, Leeds used astrology and pagan names, which greatly upset the Quakers. He was shocked because a lot of people privately dabbled into such practices, but his publication of, su- of these things caused an irreparable rift between him and the Quakers. The Quakers tried to round up and suppress unsold copies to keep them away from innocent eyes. Christians are get really touchy about pagan shit, except for all the pagan shit we just incorporate into, you know, Christmas and whatnot. That rift would be even further divided by Leeds because he became Lord Cornbury's counsel, 
because while the revolution would not occur for another 75 years, colonialists and royalists were already at odds with each other. And with Cornberry being so corrupt and scandalous, the colonists found this hatred growing immensely. But while the Quakers were not a fan of his almanac, it was still pretty popular enough for him to continue publishing it for decades. In it, he occasionally wrote very scathing anti-Quaker tracts, his first of which was titled A Trumpet Sounded Out of the Wilderness of America, which may serve as a warning to the government and people of England to beware of Quakerism. In their former and later writings, he published that in 1699. He argued that the Quaker theology denied the divinity of Christ, and he accused Quakers of being anti-monarchists. Which, to be fair, they kind of were. Leeds working with Cornberry was, like, very upsetting to them because they saw Cornberry as a tyrant, and therefore they saw Leeds as a turncoat. Daniel Leeds continued to quarrel with the Quakers until he retired in 1716, letting his son Titan Leeds take over. In 1728, Titan Leeds redesigned the masthead of the almanac to include the Leeds family crest, which included three wyverns on the shield. And I believe... Like, there's a lot of variations on this, but I believe this is the correct one. So those three black shapes on the shield are wyverns, which kind of look a little bit like Jersey Devils. Or at least what, what would be called the Jersey Devil later. Almanacs were the most read non-secular literature in the colony at the times. Titan Leeds was pretty proud of his newly designed almanac, but that pride would soon be deflated by a young, chubby, and incredibly horny upstart named Benjamin Franklin. So, Frank... What? (laughs) You said you really pronounced the incredibly horny part. It it really got me. (laughs) <laughs> Benjamin Franklin fucked. Like, you you cannot underestimate how much this dude was a poonhound. For maybe, decades. Maybe he was addicted and he didn't have any type of uh, addiction counseling back then to get him on the right path. Think what he could Maybe, maybe done. not, but, but he was prominent. Anyways, Franklin believed an almanac would be a vehicle of instruction for common people, a literature for the masses that couldn't afford books. And on December 19th, 1732, Franklin, under the pseudonym Richard Saunders, released Poor Richard's Almanac. It was published for the year 1733. It contained calendars, weather predictions, sayings, poems, advice, aphorisms, and proverbs about frugality. But it, also, it, it wasn't all serious stuff. It also contained jokes and hoaxes. It's believed that Franklin modeled Richard Saunders' personality after Isaac Bickerstaff, who himself was a pseudonym of Jonathan Swift. And pamphlet feuds at the time were very popular and also incredibly vicious. A, a uh, what? A pamphlet feud. Basically, oh, it's pamphlet feud. Yeah, it's basically like an old-timey flame war, like, on Twitter, where it's just, like, two people, like, bickering back and forth, but, like, you only have so much room to say stuff, so, like, you just gotta be, like, you just gotta get in your jabs quick. So, here's a picture from a pamphlet feud from the 1640s. So, this is well before Titan Leeds and Benjamin Franklin went at it, but if you notice... It's a Jersey Devil on it. it. It's a creature very similar to a Jersey Devil with 
big dragon-like wings, long dangling breasts, and it's shitting into a dude's mouth. Yes, it is. So we'll we'll have to post all these pictures to Twitter, but this is from a different pamphlet feud having nothing to do with Leeds or Franklin, but these kind of creatures were used in pamphlet feuds, like, for decades before it got to this point. I'm trying to read that and understand it, and I have uh, no d- idea. Don't, don't try, because it's, it's in, like, old English, or not old English, but, like, an older form of English. It's, like, it'll make your eyes cross. It's also not a very high-res picture, so... Franklin believed that he could make a big splash by taking a shot at Leeds in the first episode. So he decided to mock Titan Leeds' use of astrology by using the stars to predict Leeds' death. He claimed that Titan Leeds would die October 17, 1733 at 3.29pm, the very instant of the conjunction of the Sun and Mercury. That's, that's awfully specific. It is incredibly specific, and a very bold claim, because uh, Titan Leeds was only in his 30s at this point. Maybe 40s. Uh, yeah, no, uh, he was only in his 30s at this point. So Leeds was obviously not amused by such a claim, and used his own almanac, and said that Franklin had, quote, "...has manifested himself a fool and a liar." Leeds was simply not prepared for Franklin's style. He approached the feud like a modern-day shit poster, while Leeds took the entire affair incredibly seriously. Like, yeah. So, so like Franklin was just having fun with it, and Leeds was like, "No, no, I'm not mad. I'm not owned." Yeah, basically, Twitter trolls. The Twitter trolls like, ah, 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 ah. and then the person getting trolled is like, so upset. Basically, mm-hmm. what's happening? October 17th, 1733 came and went, and Leeds, in fact, did not die. So, with Leeds not dead, many people were expecting Franklin to issue a retraction or an apology to Leeds. Instead, he doubled down. He published his (laughs) next issue in mock outrage and pain at Leeds' hurtful words. He claimed Titan Leeds would never say such things because he was, quote, too well-bred to use any man so indecently and so Scurrilously, meaning that Leeds had indeed died, and either Leeds' ghost or an imposter had taken over Leeds' publication. <laughs> he he was just like, oh well, Leeds was too well mannered to ever call me such things. So clearly, this is Leeds' ghost from beyond the grave. Bro, these guys, what—they had too much time. They should have been working in some fields <laughs> or something. No, these were academics. They were too soft. So this feud continued for years, including after Titan Leeds actually died in 1738. Franklin issued his final words on the feud uh, saying, quote, Honest Titan, deceased, was raised from the dead and made to abuse his old friend, Franklin. Oh my... (laughs) So, So even after Titan Leeds actually died... Franklin continued to pretend that he had been a ghost for the last five years, just, like, being abusive to Franklin. Franklin's very petty at this point. He's just like, I'm gonna continue with this. I'm having too much fun. Yeah, interestingly, this feud happened to roughly coincide with the 
1735 date of the origin story of the Jersey Devil. The Leeds family land was the eastern edge of the New Jersey Pine Barrens, a forest of over 1 million square acres. It takes up most of the southern half of New Jersey. While much of New Jersey is actually green and fertile, the Pine Barrens had a lot of acidic, sandy soil, which was not great for traditional European-style farming. But it was good for white cedar, 27 different type of orchids, and numerous carnivorous plant species. Today, most uh, large predators like wolves, cougars, and black bears uh, have been driven out of the area, but black bears are occasionally still seen. But the area is also very thick with trees and smaller animals like white-tailed deer swarm there. Like, they still roam the area. The area was also rumored for a long time as a frequent as an area frequented by bandits, marauding natives, moonshiners, and all other manner of brigands. A lot of people saw like sought refuge there when they had nowhere else to go so of course it became a scary place for people who weren't desperate enough to actually need to use it because of these rumors it became a very eerie place and is still thought of as such today many who go there describe it as very ominous the the perfect birthplace for the jersey devil there's also a lot of at least belief that mobs used it as a dumping ground for bodies i feel like mobs used any place that was off the beat and like weird like that for dumping grounds. Right. But these things all coalesce together to form like the perfect ground for a monster to live. Yeah. So as I said earlier, just about everyone in the region at least knows somebody who knows somebody who had some kind of encounter with the Jersey Devil. Commodore Stephen Decatur, the youngest man to ever reach the rank of captain in the U.S. Navy at the age of 25, he was visiting Hanover Mill, uh, sorry, Hanover Mill Works in New Jersey to inspect the production of cannonballs. He spotted a flying creature that was hovering and appeared to be staring right at him. He aimed a cannon and fired upon it, possibly striking it a direct hit, only for it to fly off unfazed. So that's he. So he a thing flying. He shot a cannon at it and hit it. Yep. The the, the shooting the cannon part is way more unbelievable than uh, it flying away. Yeah. He's got to prime it. He's got to light it. He's got to aim it, and then he's got to hope that he hits the flying thing in the air. You know how good you have to be at cannon shooting. Well, I mean, like a lot of people dedicated a lot of time to making cannons work but yeah this is still pretty dubious another dubious claim was that joseph bonaparte brother of napoleon and one-time king of spain was also believed to have an encounter with the jersey devil in 1820 although that story is probably apocryphal allegedly he was hunting in the woods and he heard a sound he turned around and like came face to face with the jersey devil and he was so shocked by it he didn't shoot at it and it just took off but again, there's not a whole lot of substance to that report. Numerous times, the Jersey Devil has been blamed for livestock killings, in particular in 1840 and 1841. And then we have a wave of sightings in 1909. During the week of January 16th through the 23rd, newspapers published hundreds of sightings and claimed encounters with the Jersey Devil from all over South Jersey and Philadelphia, but even as far away as Maryland and Delaware. One sighting claimed that the beast attacked a trolley car. Another claimed that they had seen it seen it fly past a social club in Camden. 
Police in Camden and in Bristol, Pennsylvania, even claimed to have fired upon the creature to no effect. So, so it sounds like that newspaper really wanted to uh, make some money, and they maybe have been uh, dying a little bit, and they were like, "Hey, let's uh, let's put let's release all this stuff, and hopefully we'll sell some copies." There is very good possibility that the newspapers started it and because people believe the newspapers it had a snowball effect that created a mass hysteria you know like our episode four on mass hysteria like when the media reports it and when uh policemen report it like people start really believing it yeah all of our episodes are connected the hysteria got so bad that schools closed and men refused to go to work so they could stay home and protect their families. Posses formed to hunt the creature down, to no effect. The Philadelphia Zoo was even rumored to have posted a substantial award of $10,000 for the creature alive. That's a lot back then. Yeah. So one enter- enterprising flimflam man named Norman Jeffries rented a kangaroo from a friend in upstate New York that he painted with green stripes and attached large wings to. He had to do this several times because obviously the kangaroo wasn't a huge fan of that bullshit. Eventually he was able to get like a paint that the kangaroo wouldn't lick off and nearly die from and uh, wings that the kangaroo wouldn't destroy immediately. So he had his Jersey Devil set up. They debuted their captured Jersey Devil at the Ninth and Arch Museum. Essentially, it was in a cage with a curtain on it. They would bring in this group of paying audience members to stand in front of the cage. Then they would pull back the curtain for only a moment. The kangaroo would leap forward and, you know, shock the, the audience. And then they would close the curtains quickly afterwards. Then they would hustle in the next audience group to do the same thing. Oftentimes, the kangaroo wouldn't cooperate, so Jeffries paid a boy to stand behind the cage with a nail attached to a stick to jab him in the side or in the back to force it forward. Dude, I hope Jeffries died a terrible death and had to suffer for many days and months. Yeah, it is pretty fucked up what they did to the kangaroo. Yeah, that Uh, kangaroo did not deserve that. He didn't deserve to be an American in the first place, and he didn't deserve to be treated that way. Yeah. Once the scam had run its course, the kangaroo was returned to its owner, I guess, to just suffer the rest of its life with the trauma of being jabbed by some fucking prick. Jabbed, painted, prodded at, looked at, carried around. But eventually, after this week of hysteria, like, it all settled down. Nobody was hurt. Um, There was just a lot of, like, weird tracks in the snow and... A co- like uh, numerous sightings and everything but eventually it all calmed down and sightings have continued throughout the years most of them not really being anything I do have some theories some of them are my own some of them are pretty prominent theories as to what what all these sightings could be I mean not all the sightings like these might explain some of them though one theory is that it was just a moose. Obviously, I'm not saying this works for every sighting because a moose can't fly, but moose are rarely that far south, but they do occasionally wander down there. And with their massive bodies, their really long, thin legs, 
but they're also quite fierce, and their call is very distinct from a deer. Bull moose has those massive antlers, which, you know, could be mistaken for wings in a very brief encounters. And, you know, like in most of these encounters, nobody's nobody's sticking around to, like, really carefully observe them. There is a possibility that some of these encounters might have been with a moose. I mean, uh, if I saw a moose in real life, in the dark, or like... Like, just in general, I would scream, too. They're huge. Yeah, they're also very aggressive. Another possibility is that it's a kangaroo. It's not terribly hard to imagine if one person, like Jeffries, had the idea to use a kangaroo, that someone else might have also done that, and might have been unfortunate, and the kangaroo could have escaped, and just in a panic, bounced around town, as terrified of the people as they were of it, you know, like, if you see, like, deer-looking thing hopping around on two legs coming at you, like, that would be pretty terrifying, especially if you've got hundreds of years of sightings of the Jersey Devil. You might think, like, I've never seen anything like this before. This must be it. Mm-hmm. Another one is the Hammerhead Bat. Now, this one's kind of weird because the Hammerhead Bat is not very big, But its wingspan can get up to, like, two and a half feet. And it's got this huge, almost dog-like head. It almost looks like a bull terrier. Yeah, it's weird looking. Yeah. Now, that's obviously a lot smaller than the four to eight foot tall, like, long-legged creatures that uh, people claim to see. But if someone were to, like, look out their window and just see that face staring back at them, that's obviously, like, not like a deer or a dog, it's something. And if that window's, you know, six feet off the ground, that would imply that this creature is that tall. And then if it, like, spreads its wings and flaps away, it could be. However, this is a West African fruit bat. It's not going to last long in, in like, Jersey January. But if it was brought over as an exotic pet, or for the early sightings, if it was brought over... Like, as a stowaway on a slave ship, it could be that it lived long enough just to be sighted a couple of times and then slip into legend. Yeah, I mean, there's other bats in general, too, that are pretty big. Like, I've been to, there's like a, there's, it's yeah, some like, zoo that I've been to, and I like, we go, you can walk into this thing and like see the bats and they fly around and stuff. Those bats, even though they're not like as big as that, they look enormous because it's some like crazy thing that you're seeing out of nowhere that you've never seen before they are terrifying yeah there's also like uh flying foxes which are even bigger than the hammerhead bat it could just be a vampire it could have turned back in to a a, to a human very possible so yeah it's it's not the right size but like i oftentimes when you're scared things seem bigger than they are, and then, like, during retellings, you're going to make it sound bigger so that, you know, you don't sound like such a bitch. Yeah, just like men. <laughs> you always make it sound bigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, next we have the Sandhill Crane. This is a very big bird that used to be native to the area. It's kind of got the body of an emu, and it's got those long, thin legs like the 1909 sighting was drawn as. Obviously, the head looks nothing like, you know, the Jersey Devil head, but 
it could be that like you see the just the body and you're like oh okay uh like that's like a deer you know if you see it from a distance it's it's not that same but it it could be mistaken for a deer and then if it takes flight these things have a pretty massive wingspan it's like six feet wide like if you saw that just like flap away all of a sudden after you were thinking it was a deer like that could be mistaken finally there's the great horned owl cranes in general are uh big like they're like even when you're just like going somewhere randomly and you see one you're like oh you know you don't see them all the time i guess unless you live somewhere that has cranes readily yeah and and they can also be pretty aggressive as well a lot of birds can be aggressive like the great horned owl and like gooses and ducks if you've never been chased by a goose you're lucky yeah. So the great horned owl is only like 18 to 25 inches tall, which isn't much. But if this was standing on top of like some woodage and it was dark out and all you saw were the feather tufts sticking up like horns and those glowing eyes and like it was that tall, like it could be mistaken. And, you know, there's like great horned owls can be aggressive they have been known to attack humans they they haven't like killed humans but they've swooped on them and like sometimes scratched them and also great horned owls are very well known to eat children no but uh but <laughs> cats very small dogs uh foxes chickens you know like any any kind of poultry livestock you have a great horned owl could definitely you know be living in the area and just like oh sweet free food owls are cool in general ah, those are like the coolest birds to me to be honest yeah and then you know they, they're associated with harry potter and stuff i know some people that listen to this don't like harry potter because of rolling but we'll keep going uh are, are owls becoming ex- extinct um certain species are endangered yeah okay I just don't, Uh, I know when I was younger, I could like, I remember seeing them a lot more often or even hearing them a lot more often than uh, I do as an adult. I mean, like, that might just be where you live. Like, where I live now, I hear them all the time uh, and see them pretty frequently because I walk my dog at midnight. I guess we could have been pushing them out of their natural habitats. Humans are terrible. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing is the Jersey Devil noise. Like, it obviously isn't... Like, a great horned owl sounds like a large owl. Like, it hoots. The Jersey Devil sounds allegedly like a screaming woman. There's quite a few animals that actually sound like a screaming woman. Like, uh... Here, let me just, uh... So that's just a fox. I didn't hear a thing. Oh, you didn't hear that? No, it probably uh, picked up on your mic. But yeah, it it'll it'll be on the recording. Uh, but if you've ever listened to a fox scream, it sounds pretty horrifying. Obviously, like, none of these explain every sighting of the Jersey Devil. Like, we can't just say the Jersey Devil is just an owl, just a crane, just a moose or a kangaroo. 
But I bet some of these are what certain people encountered. Uh, the Jersey Devil is so ingrained that it, could blame, it gets blamed for just about everything at one point or another. And if you're in the area with that much history about a creature, it's very easy for a normal encounter with wildlife to quickly become supernatural. Now, the other possibility is that either, like, the Leeds lady gave birth to an actual demon, or that people have believed this legend for so long that it created a tulpa, which manifested in the real world. I don't personally subscribe to those, but, like, if, if you want to believe the Jersey Devil is actually real, those are probably more possible explanations for how this thing could come into being now there's always the possibility that there is a creature out there that does have bat-like wings horns a horse-like head and a tail like it, it could be that something along the lines of this could be a real creature that we just happen to never encounter a million square miles of pine barrens is a very big area and it is certainly possible something we don't know could be living in there granted that's we discover thousands of new species each year we also lose like thousands of species each year but like it's possible unlikely which is why this is considered a cryptid and not considered like a real animal for the most part there's also not that many chimera animals, like, in our existence in general that we can, like, something that has, like, wings but, like, a weird body, like, or something that's, like, a reptile but it's, like, has, like, legs like a dog or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, those things do exist, but, it, like, it really depends on who's describing them versus what it actually looks like. like yeah. Like, a Komodo dragon was described as, like, a land crocodile. Like you said earlier, narwhals. It's like, oh, I saw this uh, sea unicorn. But, I mean, it like, if you look at a narwhal, I guess you could describe it as a sea unicorn, but it certainly doesn't look like a horse. It looks like a whale with a horn. Yeah. Um, so, like... Those are real, by the way, all of you who think they're fake. I know there's at least one listening right now. So, so like, yeah, there's, there's, like, because the Jersey Devil's so old, the, the legend's been around for so long, it's like several centuries of playing telephone, and, like, things get kind of skewed throughout the centuries. So, there's certainly possible someone saw something back then, they'd never seen it before, they describe it. And the people they describe it to kind of garble it a little bit when they describe it to someone else. And eventually it becomes solidified as, like, communication becomes more easily available between communities. So by 1909, there was this idea of what the Jersey Devil is in most people's heads. And then if you see something that exhibits some of those traits, the bat wings or the bipedal nature like or whatever these things all coalesce into that must be the jersey devil so yeah that that's that's pretty much all i've got uh i i love learning about cryptids and whatnot uh i think they're really fun to learn about i'm 
still pretty skeptical about pretty much all of them, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Jersey Devil, you name it. But they're fun, they're kind of spooky. It's it's just more interesting if you just, like, kind of allow yourself to, like, give in a little bit. So that's what I got. You know what I got? I got that King is a sick and twisted individual for making me watch a terrible documentary that's 45 minutes and wasting my life away, and he didn't bring it up once. And we better not talk <laughs> about it after I bring this up. I'm not talking about it. I will cut it from this if we say one word about it. But he is sick. He's a sick man. But but it was fun to see the Montag monster again, wasn't it? I, this that, that won't be in it. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I really didn't bring it up at all. You bastard. I mean, honestly, I just had you watch that so that, like, I wouldn't have to explain every little, like, yeah. detail about it. And no, then he, I he made, he made me watch it because he wanted to put me through pain and suffering. Yeah, I wanted you to feel what I have to go through on a very minuscule scale. You know how much shit I've had to watch for this podcast and read for this podcast hey, that's just garbage? I'm pretty sure you were doing this before you were even doing the podcast. You like to, you like that stuff. All right, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> but anyway, so anyways, guys, thank you for listening. You can catch us on Twitter at what underscore we underscore consume and on Instagram at what we consume podcast. And I am at King Hagathor on Twitter. Other than that, bye bye <laughs>